Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Come on, if you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 7. How many of you taking notes this morning? Yeah. How many of you still rock pen and paper? Come on. That, that's amazing. How many of you doing a little cell phone taking notes? How many of you got a pen and you grab your neighbor's arm? You're going to write on their arm. Like, you need this today, bro. <laughs> Get saved. It's going to be great. Uh, but we're going to be reading out of Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. And it says, Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. Come on, say only son. And a large crowd followed. I mean, a large crowd from the village was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed. Say overflowed. His heart overflowed with compassion. I love that. He says, don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. How many of you know just one touch from Jesus? That's all you need. He just walked over to the coffin. And he touched it. And the bear stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. I love that. How many of you know since you've met Jesus, he's returned a few things that the enemy's tried to take from you? He gave him back to his mother, and great fear swept the crowd. And they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. If you're taking notes today, I just would like for you to type or write at the top of your paper, it's never too late. Never too late. God, we love you and we thank you for today. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord, that this may be a different service, but we are not here for leftovers. We're here for something new. We want something fresh. And so, God, I just pray that today that as I speak, Father, God, you would pour out your presence. We know there's nothing special about me. There's just everything that's amazing about you. And so, Holy Spirit, I step out of the way. You step in and do whatever you want to do. God, last weekend during the Christmas Eve services, somebody brought Pastor Mike and Pastor Rachel some peanut butter covered in chocolate and sea salt, and I stole one of those while they walked back outside and closed it back up as if they had never saw Every bite was a sin, but you forgive me. I would probably do it again. I know my heart is not right, but Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Y'all think I'm joking. They had some sweets in that room, and I was like, yeah, you're doing great, Pastor Mike. Dang, this is good. <laughs> How many of you struggle with being on time? How many of you live with somebody who struggles with being on time? If you're with them today, just point at them right now. Let them know it's your fault we were late today. I struggle with being on time. My wife is a planner. She has the calendar. We've got a married calendar. It's a shared calendar. Everything goes in it. Paul, you should have known I put it in the calendar. Well, I'm sorry. You know, it's all color-coded, everything. I struggle with being on time. It, it's, sometimes it's just hard for, for me to get from, from point A to point B on time. 
Um, I hate when you show up to a movie late and you've got to ask a stranger, hey man, what just happened? Because you don't know what happened. You showed up late, you missed the very important five minutes of the movie, or you go to an LSU football game and you're walking up late and you're going up the ramp or walking up the stairs and you hear the crowd cheer and you're, God, you're going like, man, what happened? Did we miss a big play? Did we miss something that happened? Or come on, how many students you struggle with getting to school on time? I read this statistic that 14% of students are late to school every day. Like, it's amazing. High achievers. I struggle with, with being on time. And my mom, growing up, she would always tell me, Paul, we're going to leave early for everything. And I'm like, I know, Mom. Like, for real, something started at 9, we're leaving the house at 8.30. I'm like, Mom, we live in Prairieville. We're going to Gonzales. We could walk there and get there before 9 o'clock. She's going to leave the house 30 minutes before everything. She would tell me, Paul... If you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, why'd you even show up? I'm like, okay, mom, clearly you have a passion for being on time. But I, can I just propose this thought to you today that God does not do his works. God is not dictated or determined by time. We live our lives based off of time. You think about it. The LSU game's coming up. Everything you do that day is going to be based around the time of the game, what time you start cooking, what time you may start cleaning your house. Everything you do is around time. This morning, you woke up based on what time you decided to be here. Everything is based on time, but I want to encourage you today that God does not work based off of time. He is not controlled by a watch. He is not controlled by the hands on a clock. He does what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And there may be times that we thought his timing was off, but his timing is never off. It's actually perfect. It's exactly what he wants it to be when he wants it to be. Our plans are not necessarily his plans. If we could just be real today, though, how many of you have ever wanted God to do something wanted something to come to pass, and it hasn't yet. And you thought, God, you're late. It's too late. Or maybe something did happen, and you needed God to turn it around. You needed him to change your situation, and you had the thought, it's too late. Maybe a friendship that, that ended on bad terms, and you need God to restore it. Maybe a marriage that you need God to, to come in and intervene. It may be your finances. It may be a child who is who has been running from God for years. It may be a prayer that you've been offering up over and over again in hopes to get pregnant. It may be a, a sibling, a friend, or a family member who's been addicted to drugs and you wonder if they'll ever get out of that cycle and you think it's too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. I know that we are in a church that is full of people that love Jesus. I know that we are in a church that is full of people who will worship the roof off this place. I know that we are in a church called Healing Place Church, but what do you do? What happens when your healing doesn't come when you think it should? Because the sign looks great out there by Highland Road, doesn't it? All lit up, beautiful. But what happens when you don't get your healing or when God doesn't show up or God doesn't move when you think he should? What do you do then? Today I'd like to take you through a story in Luke chapter 7, of a widow who perhaps might think it's too late, that her time is up, that her son is gone, 
but it's never too late. The first thing that I would like for you to maybe write down today is this, is that Jesus' interruptions are intentional. Jesus' interruptions are intentional. Luke chapter 7, verse 12 says this, A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. I love this because it just shows that people go through real things. Amen? We can come to church and we can put on a smile, but do we go through some stuff? Do we have some things in our life that don't go the way that we hoped they would have? Or maybe we're still waiting for something to happen and it hasn't happened yet. Or your situation is telling you that everything is stacked against you and you think it's too late. It's never too late. Jesus is entering this town with life and this woman is leaving with death. What happens when death meets life? This widow is leaving and Jesus is coming. The widow has given up, but Jesus is giving in and he's about to do a miracle. I love this because there's so many correlations, so many similarities between Jesus and this woman. This, this woman has a crowd following her and Jesus has a crowd following him. The crowd that is following Jesus is following a man that is living. The crowd that is following this widow is following a guy that is dead, that is deceased. You may have not known this, I've been beginning to study a little bit deeper, but during this time with Jewish customs, they would, when somebody would pass away, they would actually go outside of the town to bury their loved one. And then also, this is what blows my mind, if a funeral procession was to pass by your house, it doesn't matter what you were doing, you were expected to stop and join that funeral procession. How many of you see a funeral procession coming down Airline Highway and you just pull over out of respect? It's just a, it's just a way of saying, I know you're going through a lot. I'm going to pull over and let you move through. Clearly, you have some more important things to tend to. But it wasn't just, we're going to pull over. With Jewish custom, they were expected to join the funeral procession. If they were cooking, stop cooking, jump in line. If you were cleaning, stop cleaning. If you were sleeping, you better wake up. If you were building something, whatever you were doing, stop what you're doing and join the funeral procession. That's another level right there. The, 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 the sad thing is, is you may not have even known the person who passed away. But if I could be candid with you, you may not have even liked the person who passed away. Are we going to be all Christian today, huh? You're at your house doing some stuff, and a funeral procession passes by. You know who's passed away. You may not even like them, but you're expected to jump in line and go with this funeral procession. Can I encourage you today and give you a little warning? Everybody who stands next to you is not necessarily for you. Just because somebody is actually close to you doesn't mean they're actually close to you. I have learned that there are three types of people in this world. The first type is people that criticize. These people are not for you. They actually put you down only to lift themselves up. That your failure is their focal point. And if we're not careful in our own insecurity, we will work out of our own strength to get an approval from somebody who criticizes us, who will never give us what we're looking for anyways. It's people who criticize. You ever had anybody, ever had anybody talk about you? Anybody say something about you? I love how confident people are behind social media. Oh, you don't mind sending that comment. Let's, lead it. Let's meet at Walmart, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Prayville. 
Pville if you're really about to throw down. People will criticize you. The second group is people that will comfort you. These people aren't really bad people. They're not necessarily interested in your future. They're just going to speak to your feelings and tell you what you want to hear. They won't challenge you. They're just there to comfort you. They're caught up on your feelings. They want you to like them. The third group of people is people that will carry you. People that will carry you. They could care less about your feelings because they're more concerned with your future. These people may not carry you to where you want to be, but because they love you, they're going to carry you to where they know that God is calling you to be. you got to have people in your life that will carry you. There's the saying, if you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then what? Crawl. What happens if you can't crawl? Do you just sit there and let people criticize you, let people comfort you? Or are people in your life that will carry you? Because when I need somebody to carry me, I need them to look past me. People who will carry you are willing to look past you, and it's not to offend you, it's to help you. Because if I need you to carry me, I'm already caught up on my failures or my feelings. People who will carry you, the criticizers, they're going to be caught up on your failures. The comforters, they're going to be caught up on your feelings. But the ones that will carry you, they're committed to your future. They're saying, I don't care where you messed up, and I don't care how you feel about it. I'm going to tell you where you need to go, and it's in the future. And I'm going to carry you to that place. you got to have people that will carry you. I'll never forget my first year of Healing Place Bible College. Me and seven dudes lived in a two-bedroom apartment. Mm, thank God for marriage. Rough. But there was a time in that first year of Bible college, to be very blunt with you, I struggled very, very hard to even want to come to church. I knew that I was called. I knew that God had, had done some things in my life, but I just, I wasn't feeling like I really wanted to be here. And so one day, I went to my girlfriend's house, my, my wife now, I went to Brooke's house and I knocked on the back door and she answered the door. I said, hey, babe, uh, I just want to let you know, I think I'm going to quit Healing Place College. She said, for real? I said, yeah, I think I'm going to quit. She said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I think I'm going to actually do what I, my, like I want to do what I want to do. I want to go be a narcotics police officer. And she says, oh, so you're going to do your plans. And I was like, gosh, dog it. I said, yes, I would like to go do my plan. She says, okay. So you're going to quit, and you're going to go be a police officer. I said, yeah. She goes, I'm not saying that's a bad career. I'm not saying that's a bad calling. But, Paul, that's not your calling. And, and, and I said, well, can you let me in? She goes, no. Remember this? She goes, no, I'm not going to let you in. I need you to dry up your tears. I need you to go back to your apartment. I need you to worship and pray and read your Bible. Because right now, you are talking out of your mind. She gave me a hug, a little kiss on the cheek. We weren't married yet. Hello. Said goodbye. You know what she was doing? Some people will mistake that for being mean. No, no, no. She was carrying me. I had people in my life that maybe have championed on that other plan, but I had a woman who loved Jesus and said, no, no, no. I'm not here to criticize you, Paul. I'm definitely not here to comfort you. I'm here to carry you. Because she could look at my past and see my failures. She can look at my present and see where I'm at. But it takes Jesus to look into my future because that's where he's standing and saying, come on, carry him to me. You need people in your life that will carry you, that will look past you. Amen? 
The second thing is Jesus hears your cry. Jesus hears your cry. Luke chapter 7, verse 13. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. I love this because it shows that Jesus saw her before he spoke to her. He saw her first and spoke to her second. In this moment, Jesus chose to postpone the healing for her son so that he could relate to her heart. Jesus hears her cry and Jesus hears your cry too. Be careful of people who will offer their advice but not their compassion. Be careful of people who will offer their opinion but not their heart. Be careful of people who are quick to speak and slow to listen. Jesus could have healed her son immediately because he can, but he chose to have compassion because he wanted to. What was Jesus doing? He was taking time to notice her tears. What was Jesus doing? He was saying, I am choosing to see your heart before you see my healing. Tears are a very powerful thing, are they not? I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a pretty emotional guy. I'm the crier. Brooke's not really the crier. We can be watching like a commercial, and I'm like, oh, my God. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, Eli's going to grow up and leave us. She's like, Paul, he's three. Calm down. Like, I, I cry pretty easy. But tears, what they are, all they are is, is a, a, a reflection on the outside of what's happening on the inside. And, and I love this because Jesus was taking note of the internal before he ever, choose, or ever, ever chose to address the external. He was saying, I'm going to hear her cry. Many people will want to fix your problem before they ever even know your heart. Jesus' heart overflowed with compassion. I'll never forget when Brooke and I first got married. And, and, and being married without kids, let's just be real, it's pretty awesome. Like you can sleep in. We're not waking up at 2 a.m. to go change a dirty diaper like when you're married with no kids. You can say, hey, it's midnight. Want to go to IHOP? Well, sure, let's leave. Like, it's awesome. Now, I love my kids. It's not like I don't love my kids. I love my kids. But I remember we would catch this terrible sickness in the first year or two of our marriage, and it was called baby fever. And to cure this fever, Brooke and I would go to the, the Prairieville Walmart. And you say, well, Paul, why would you go there? Because... There is bound to be at least one crying baby. So we would go to Walmart, and we would be shopping, and we would be looking at the bread, fighting over white versus wheat. Wheat is from the devil. Can I have an amen? <laughs> Whatever. Come back at five. So we're sitting there fighting <laughs> over white versus wheat, and then we'd hear this baby screaming. And it'd be like aisle 15 that they're, they're in the back, we're in the front. I'm like... Let's go take care of our fever. Let's go see this baby. So we would, we would take our buggy and go to the back, and we would watch this baby. And this amazed me the first time I saw it. This, this little boy would be screaming his head off, and his mom would act like nothing is wrong. <laughs> Have y'all seen this? Some of you do this. Like, it's an anointing, people. Like, this kid is screaming, crying, and the mom's like, oh, I think we'll have baked beans tonight. I'm like, this is a miracle. And so we would go to Walmart and hear these kids crying just to say, we can wait six more months. And we can, after that episode, we can do a year. Let's wait a year. Our New Year's resolution, wait till the next year to have. You know, it's like, 
But what we do is we go to Walmart and allow the cries, the tears of these children to push us away from having more kids. Can I encourage you this morning? Your tears don't scare Jesus. Your tears don't push him away. As a matter of fact, they don't push him away. They pull him in. And some of you have been going through some very tough stuff and you think it's too late. And you think that he doesn't hear your cry. He hears your cry. Do not mistake the silence of Jesus for the absence of Jesus. He is wanting to lock eyes with you. He is wanting to see you before he speaks to you. Plenty of people will try to tell you what you need to change. Jesus knows that he is the change that you need, but he wants to relate to you. Jesus hears your cry. I'm so thankful that I have a Jesus that doesn't just offer a solution, but offers compassion. There's plenty of people in your life that will tell you the solution to your problem, but have they wiped the tears from your eyes? Have they been with you during your toughest moments when you've given up, when you said you wanted to quit Bible college, when you said you wanted to give up on that job or give up on that dream? Were they there to wipe your tears and actually have compassion, a heart that overflows with compassion? There may be people that have seen your tears and walked on by, but Jesus is not walking on by. He is stopping in your tracks. And he is noticing you. Jesus has compassion for your cry. The third thing I'd like to share with you is it's not over. In Luke chapter 7, verses 14 and 15, it says this. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you to get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. I love these two verses. Y'all, I was sitting in my office this week and I read these two verses. You ever read scripture by yourself and you, like, you feel like you need to call everybody and tell you what God just showed you? Like I'm not, nobody's that good to come up with deep stuff from the Bible. We're just that hungry. And I'm sitting in my office and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like just the fact that he would give her son back to her. After he interrupted her, as she was leaving with death, he was coming with life. And he saw her tears. And he did something that would prove to her, ma'am, it's not over. A widow she was. No husband. This boy of hers, this son was her only son. And now he's dead, which now says that she, during that time, had nobody to take care of her now. Had no more way of of a source of income. I don't know for sure, but I'm willing to say that at this point, at this moment, as this lady is, as, as she is exiting this town with her son to go lay him to rest, she may have had the thought, it's too late. But Jesus says, no, it's, it's never too late. It's not over. A defeated mindset will make you give up before you ever even start. A defeated mindset will actually make the strongest person weak. A defeated mindset, this is the worst, will allow you to exchange a truth for a lie. Some of you have been believing some lies. I'm here today to tell you it's not over. It's never too late. It's never too late. She was walking out with death, but Jesus was walking in with life. She was walking in the natural, but Jesus was walking in the supernatural. She had lost her one and only son, but Jesus being the only son of God Almighty, could potentially relate to this lady. That he too would give up his life as well. 
it's not over. We can look into our own life and see maybe moments and seasons and times where God has not given up on you. Can I have an amen? Where you thought it was over, but he said, no, it's not over. And in the same way, we can look through the Bible and see story after story. The Bible is not some fairy tale, church. It is a real thing. And every single word matters. It is not just a hidden thing that we just read sometimes. No, it is the bread of life. It is what we read to fill us up. It is what you read to be able to face Monday at work. And we can see right here in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 8, a man kneels before Jesus who has leprosy. People have pushed this man aside, given up on him, made him an outcast, but he kneels in his desperation when he may think it's over and Jesus heals him and says it's not over. In John chapter 18, Peter denies Jesus three different times, and he himself may even think it's over, but Jesus decides to build his church upon who? Upon Peter. It's not over. In in John chapter 8, a woman was caught in the act of adultery, thrown into the middle of a street, and people are ready to stone her and end her life and tell her it's over. But Jesus says otherwise. He says, go and sin no more. It's not over. He restored her life that day. Genesis chapter 37, Joseph is sold by his brothers into slavery. And then goes on to actually become one of the leaders of Egypt and restore Egypt. And the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph. You may think it's too late. It's not too late. It's not over. I don't know what you're believing God for, but it's never too late and it's not over. In John chapter 19, they hung Jesus on a cross. They could literally see the blood dripping from his hands, the crown on his head, the blood coming down his face, and I bet the Roman soldiers and the people around them thought that it was over. But in three days, he would rise again, and he would walk out of that tomb, and he would say, it's not over. And the thing that I love about this is if you read one more chapter in John chapter 20, verse 7, the Bible says that the linen that was wrapped around his face was actually folded up nice and neat and set to the side. During that time when kings would go to dinner and they would get up from the table, if they were finished, they would just throw the towel down. But if they wanted to communicate to their servants that they were coming back for more, they would fold up that napkin nice and neat to let the servant know, I'm coming back. Jesus folded up that, that linen that was around his head to let people know, I'm coming back. It's not over. You're going to see my face again. There's some of you in here this morning, you're believing for your child to say yes to Jesus. Don't give up. It's not too late. Some of you in here this morning, your marriage is on the rocks and you wonder if it's going to work out. It's not too late. It's not over. God sees you. Those interruptions that have been happening in your life, guess what? They're not meant to be inconvenient. They're meant to be intentional by Jesus. He hears your cry. When you sit in your house at night or in your closet and you let those tears fall, you may think you're alone, but his presence is with you. And he may have not spoken yet, but all he is doing is relating his heart to your heart. And he's going to speak. It's not over. I'll never forget Uh, A couple months ago, my wife, she had a a great idea that before our daughter was born, before Eleanor was born, that we were going to take Elijah to go to the New Orleans Aquarium and have a day just us three before he got his world wrecked, (laughs) that all the attention would not be for him anymore. (laughs) 
And we go to the New Orleans Aquarium, and my wife at this time is, she's eight, nine months pregnant. And as you know, when you're that pregnant, you have to use the restroom every 32 seconds. <laughs> Y'all think this is a joke. So she's using the bathroom, and Eli is sitting right there in the stroller. And we're waiting for my wife to, to come out the restroom, and I see this little boy maybe eight, nine, ten years old, from afar, about 15, 20 yards off, and, and he is just crying. And there's like a cry, and then there's like the cry. You know what I mean? He is crying his eyes out. And then the security guard that was standing a little bit behind me, she sees him, and she notices his tears, and she walks past me, and she's a, you could just tell she was a sweet old southern lady. And she walks up to the little boy, and he can barely get his words together. And she's like, baby, what's wrong? Baby doll, talk to me. And he says, I, 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 lost, I lost my parents. Okay, where'd you, last, where'd you last leave them? And he said, I lost them. No, 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 you didn't lose them. Where did, where did you last leave them? And he said, I think we were by the sharks and the sea turtles and blah, 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 the big old aquarium. And she said, okay, well, come on. At this point, I'm invested. All right? Y'all know how long lines are for Wynn's restrooms. Brooke's taking a little while. I'm invested. Eli's sitting in the stroller. In a non-creepy way, church, I begin to follow this scene. (laughs) I'm like, Eli, we're going to watch the children come home. So we follow this little boy. And it wasn't far off, maybe 30, 40 yards around the corner, down the hallway a little bit. There are his parents right there. And then she begins to walk back. The security guard begins to walk back. And, and y'all, this lady, I'm not making this up. This lady was hilarious. She was literally walking in going, I did it again. <laughs> and it's like a, the front foyer of the aquarium. Everybody's walking around. And she's like, I did it again, y'all. And literally, she starts bowing. You're welcome. The children have been returned. You know, it's literally. I'm like dying laughing. And she says this phrase right here. She says, they're never really lost. And it kind of caught my attention. And her coworker said, what do you mean? And she said, the children that think they're lost, they're never really lost. What good parent would ever leave their child? The child always leaves the parent. The parents were just back in the same place where he left them. I don't know what you're struggling with today. I don't know what situation or what battle you are in right now, but I want to encourage you, it's not over. It's never too late. God hasn't given up on you. Don't give up on him. You may feel like you are in a situation with death, but let me tell you something. God brings life. They were leaving outside of the town to go bury this child, leaving with death, but Jesus so happened to interrupt their path, saw the tears of this woman, and told her it's not over. It's never too late. If you think all is lost and you think Jesus is silent, what he's doing is he is noticing your tears. And it will be soon when you hear his voice. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225 753 two two seven three.